Test, test. Just take one more minute and uh, find your seat. All right, let's gather on back. Good morning. How many times have we said good morning? Anybody counting? So many times. Good morning. It's not morning. It's not afternoon yet, so we can still say that. <laughs> um, I have a, a testimony, you guys. Um, you see the sunshine out here right now? Like, you see this? Okay, so this morning, I'm getting ready, and uh, I knew that, you know, rain's in the forecast all weekend. We're, gonna go, we're supposed to go out and bless people with the love of God today. Uh, and I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And this morning, I open up my, my weather app, which, you know, it can be goofy sometimes. You ever had that experience? But it was thunderstorms from 1 to 8 p.m. I'm like, oh, no. Because my mind's going. I'm like, well, we, we can't do this another day. This is finals week. This is the day we plan to do it. We need to get out. We have to do it today. And I'm like, well, someone told me Element Church has tents. Okay, send them some texts. I'm like texting them in the middle of shaving and all the things. <laughs> I'm like, I heard you have tents. Any way you can get me your tents, please uh, help. Okay, and then um, I get in the car to come over this morning. And my daughter Ruby can attest to this. As I'm driving... Lord, forgive me. I open up the weather app. No rain. All clouds. Okay. And then we get here in the sun shining. You guys. You guys. You know, this is your sign that you're supposed to come and share the love of Jesus today. I'm not even joking. It's a miracle. Like, this still says clouds. Like, the phone weatherman says clouds. But we have sun. You guys. If you had plans other than going out, change them. Come with us. It's going to be super fun. I promise. We, you prayed too? God's in control of the weather. That's right. So in the pre-service prayer, you guys drove the clouds out like Jesus? Way to go. Way to go. Oh, man. You will not regret it. And uh, that's sort of going to be... Uh, the focus of what we talk today. We're going to get into the word in a minute. But first, we have a really cool piece of, of family business I want to get into. So, Rebecca, could you come on up? Would you guys give her a hand? Um, it's so fun. You guys don't always know what's going on, but, um, you know, we were regularly having people come in, become a part of our church family, and as they do, and they seem like they want to be here, I'm like, hey, we have sort of a members thing you can go through. It's very... Um, it's very 
easy. <laughs> I'll say that. Like, it's not heavy-handed. We're not, nobody's signing in blood uh, or anything like that. <laughs> we tell them about our, our history as a church, what we believe, um, what our mission is, what our values are. And we've had, a, most of you have gone through this. Um, but some other people have gone in the past few months. And Rebecca went through it a while ago. I don't remember how long it was. <laughs> and, uh, God, forgive me. I think the Holy Spirit reminded me that we never acknowledged her. because, And she was so gung-ho. We do a lot of it online. And she filled out this form. And she's like, I'm like all the explanation points. I'm ready. I want to be a part of this spiritual family. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but we, that was a little while ago. And uh, so we finally made her the cool certificate. And when people do this, I always give them an opportunity. I'm like, you know, this is a formality in so many places, and we make it so informal, but we do believe it's family, and, and we do believe membership matters in terms of having the opportunity to say, yes, the Lord has called me here, and I'm willing to say my yes for this season of my life. I believe I'm supposed to be here, and, uh, not, and then I always offer the people who, are, or who go through and say yes the opportunity to share with you why they're saying yes to Spirit of Christ in this, in this season. And um, no shame, but lots of people are afraid. So a lot of people are like, nah, don't really want to get up there. Don't really want to talk. Cause, and I don't know why. You guys are not scary at all. Are these people scary? Aren't they beautiful? It's a beautiful bunch of people. Um, but some people just don't, don't feel like getting up here. But Rebecca said, I would love to share. So she's going to share a minute um, about why she, she is feeling the Lord's calling her to this spiritual family in this season. And we're going to pray for her. Sound good? Tell us, what's up? Okay, well, when I, so for those who don't know, I moved here in July from Australia. Um, and when I first moved here, I was bouncing around, got to see a lot of the great churches in Lansing. There are so many good ones here. <laughs> so it took a while to find one I really liked. But yeah, after coming here to SOCC for a while, it just really, really, you guys make it feel like home and like family. Like, the group of people here is just really, really beautiful and very rich. And, like, I remember my first, like, month or two of coming here, just every week somebody would be like, so what is God teaching you? And I was, like, very, like, just not used to having that kind of question and that, like, regular being pushed in the Lord. Um, so it was just very encouraging to find a community like that. Um, and just also the way SOCC has been birthed um, and, like, the the continued focus on campus and on outreach and on unity with like the body of Christ as a whole. I've just never really seen that in many churches. And so it's just been really, really cool to be a part of it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're so glad that you get to be a part of us. Amen. All right. Well, let's uh, extend a hand and just bless Rebecca. Lord, we thank you for Rebecca, that you uh, um, have brought her to Lansing uh, for this season, and you've brought us to be a part of this spiritual family. We bless her, and we pray however you want to root her in and knit her in in this season of life for her and for us, that you would have your way, God, that you would uh, make it meaningful and purposeful. We thank you that um, we get to share this time with her and that you have a calling on her in this location, but also in this spiritual family. So we just, uh, we agree, we say our yes, and we ask for your continued blessing on her in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Thanks, Rebecca. You guys can give her a hand. If you're around and you haven't been through that stuff, just come talk to me. We'll get you get the info. Um, again, what many people do love as part of that is we have just some 
um, teachings on, again, who we are, and, but our story. People are always like, I loved hearing the story of how uh, Spirit of Christ was born. So, um, again, if you're interested, come talk to me. So we are going to get into the Word of God. Amen. Uh, if you have a Bible, thank you for that. Uh, open it up to Acts chapter 5. Now, if you're really paying close attention, you're going to be like, well, no, no, we did Acts chapter 5 last week. We did, and we're going to do it again. And I'm just going to be in Acts chapter 5 for just a couple minutes. So today's going to be a little different, like I said. I'm going to share for a few minutes, continue our series, because it relates to what we're going to be about today in terms of reaching out and sharing the love of Jesus. But it's also going to relate to you getting to be a witness of the love of Jesus every day of your life. Amen? Um, and so that's a message to you, even if you can't. Now, I know I laid it hard on you, like the sun is shining, it's your sign, God wants you to come. But if you can't come, this message still matters. I want you to know that, and I, and I do want to get into the Word of God. Um, so we are continuing our Empowered series as we walk through the book of Acts, which is uh, the story of how the church was born. How many of you know the church is still alive and well? Amen. You're sitting here. You're part of it. So this is not just a story of what has happened. It's a story of what is happening. This is our story, and it's still being written today. So the book of Acts is relevant because it's being written through us today. And today we're going to talk about what it means for us to be his witnesses. And uh, what does that mean, to be a witness? Well, it means to bring, you know, in a legal sense, if you're familiar with sort of courtrooms, right, what does the witness do? They bring testimony and evidence, all right? So do you have testimony? Do you have evidence of Jesus working in your life? You can answer the question. Do you? Okay. Now, therefore, you are a witness. That's not a trap. That's just the truth. <laughs> How many of you would say, I know Jesus has worked in my life, right? Okay. You are a witness. And, and it's an awesome thing to carry testimony and evidence of the reality of Jesus. Am I right? Um, so we are going to jump right into uh, Acts chapter 5 again. Let me pray as we get into the Word of God. And uh, then we're going to have Kirby share too. It's going to be awesome. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it's living and active. We thank you, Jesus, that you are living and active in our lives. That we sit here today uh, because you have touched our lives. We carry the reality of your power and your presence in us. That's why we are here. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be fully activated to give testimony and bring evidence of your reality to the world around us. That we would bring evidence of the kingdom of heaven and the love of Jesus every day of our lives. If you agree with that, say amen. So last week in Acts chapter 5, we were looking at the nature of the church, the people of God, and how they're sort of a, a peculiar people, as Peter calls it, because there was an awe about them. When people saw the people of God, they knew there was something different. And they saw the power of God among them, and they were like, whoa. But also, at the same time, it says that people couldn't stay away. They're like, whatever you have, we want. And so it's an awesomeness to be who we are as the people of God, because we're not like anyone else. The presence of God is with us. Just as Cindy opened the service, he's with us. He's in us. He's moving among us. And it's so, so beautiful. And so it talks about how signs and wonders will be being done. Um, and many were being added to their number daily. That's where we left off. Acts chapter 5, verse 16. So we're going to jump in at verse 17, which is a wild change of events. 
Okay, you ready? Acts chapter 5, verse 17. Look at your Bibles or your device. It'll also be up here on the, the projector. It says this. Then, remember, we just left off. Signs and wonders, the power of God. People are being added to the church every day. Then, the high priest and his, all of his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. That took a turn. But... During the night, verse 18, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. And the angel said, go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. Verse 21, at daybreak they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. This is amazing, right? Now when the high priest and his associates arrived at the temple, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But upon arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. Pause. All right, so you catch what's going on here, right? The power of God's coming. The religious leaders get jealous. And they're like, no, 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 this is not right. We told you to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. They put him in the jail. That night, an angel shows up. says, no, 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 come on out. We're going to take you to the temple courts, and you're going to proclaim this stuff. Again, you're going to keep speaking the name of Jesus. So there they are at daybreak because the angel broke them out, right? <laughs> and they're proclaiming the reality of Jesus. And so then what happens? Well, the religious people are coming, what? To the temple. That's where they go. And they're proclaiming the name of the Jesus. And they're like, hey, didn't we put these people in jail? Like, he didn't say that. But that's what happened. They start elbowing each other. Wait, wait, wait. These guys are supposed to be in jail. Like, who are these people? And so they like, go check the jail. Well, the jail's empty because they're out. The angel let them out. Isn't this an awesome story? I love this story. I, I just got to put this stuff between the lines because that's how it went down. And I, if I were them, I would have been confused too. Like, who are these people in our temple preaching Jesus? We put you in jail. They go there and nobody's in the jail. I mean, I love that, but it reminds me of the reality. You know, Paul writes in one of his apostles, he says, the God, and he's writing from prison. I don't remember which one it was. I think it may be Philippians or Colossians. He says, but the gospel is not chained. You know what I mean? Like, you can't stop the word of God. You can't stop the reality of Jesus. And, and that's a really important truth. Um, there's lots of different Nations, countries, peoples, governments, religious organizations that have tried to shut up the name of Jesus. They've tried to shut up the gospel. Do you know that? Have you heard the stories? You know what usually happens? It's more like gas to the fire. Even it, you know, there's no guarantee. Like if, if people get thrown in jail, these guys, the, the apostles preaching the word of God, they got thrown in jail. You know, they didn't have a word from the Lord. The Lord wasn't like, oh, that's okay, I'm going to get you out. That was never in the storyline for them. They didn't know what was going to happen. And, and they'd already been threatened. Look, if you don't stop preaching in the name of Jesus, we're going to put you away. And they're like, well, we're going to have to obey God rather than you. So we'll see what happens. You know, we're going to keep speaking the name. And so they're still speaking the name of Jesus. They get thrown in jail. They don't know what's going to happen. They didn't have a word from the Lord. They didn't have a scripture that said, when you get thrown in jail, an angel will come. There was, there was no, no precedent for this. But they're in jail, and at night, an angel comes. And it's proved to us that, that the gospel is not chained. Now, whether or not they would have gotten let out of jail by an angel, I want to tell you that's the truth. Regardless of if the angel showed up or if they stayed in jail for years, 
the gospel would have still gone forward. Do you know that? That's the reality of the story. And I tell you that because we need to know it as things in our world continue to just shift and change. And it's easy to be fear-filled and to think, oh, no, what's going to happen if this happens? And what's going to happen if that happens? Well, I'll tell you what. If you keep speaking the name of Jesus, you keep believing the gospel, it will not be chained. I don't care what laws they make. I don't care what they do to you and me in this country or anywhere on the globe. You know what's going to happen? The gospel is going to go forward. It's going to reach every nation on the earth before Jesus comes back. It won't be chained. In fact, history tells us, as I said, it seems like when people try to shut up the gospel, try to shut up Jesus, it's like gas to the fire. It just gets bigger. It just gets brighter. More people hear about Jesus. So I don't know if we're worried about a little persecution, maybe we should just get excited. Gas is coming on the flame. Let it come, Lord. When Jesus promised that we would be persecuted, it's not my favorite promise, but it's in there. I love that, that Jesus made sure they got out. There's a thing about this. They were really trying to shut them up. You know? This wasn't the first time they, they clamped down on them, but I just want to tell you, I want to challenge you. You all testified to me already today that you have evidence, that you carry a testimony, that you know that you know Jesus. I'm assuming that's pretty much everyone in the room, if not everyone in the room. If you truly know Jesus, you know what I think? The gospel in you can't be chained either. If you really know how good he is, if you really know how powerful he's been, if you really understand that your life is completely different, that you went from death to life, dark to light, if you really understand that, you know what the truth is? You won't be able to not talk about Jesus. No one will be able to stop you. They won't be able to shut you up. They may offend you. They may come after you. They may try to shut you down. But you know what? If you know that you know Jesus, you won't be able to stop talking about him. Like Jeremiah said, it will be a fire up in your bones. But this is the thing for me. Then when I know that I know Jesus, when I think for a moment about how good he is, I want other people to know. <laughs> I don't want anyone to stay in dark. I don't want anyone to stay in death. Do you? Do you wish that on your worst enemy? That they would have a life, a, a Christless eternity? No way. If we know Jesus, we can't be stopped. We're going to talk about him. We want to talk about him. And then the other thing, that God will always have our back in every way. Whether he, it's him letting us out of prison or finding another way for the truth to go forward. You know, if, if we lose our opportunities, he'll raise up someone else to have the opportunity. You understand what I'm saying? At the end of the day, the point there being, we don't need to have fear. We don't need to live in the what ifs. What if I do this and that happens? What if I go out and try to share the gospel with someone and they don't want it? What do you have to be afraid of? You know what I mean? Like, or what if, like, it does come to a place where in, in even our free nation, the gospel is persecuted. What's going to happen to me? I'll tell you what's going to happen to you. God will have your back. God will be on your side no matter what. We have nothing to fear. In fact, people who already carry eternal life inside don't even need to fear death. And you know what the testimony of Christians and nations where their lives have been threatened and taken is? They don't fear death. You can take my body. I still have Jesus. In fact, you're giving me an early graduation. 
So if we don't have to fear death, what else do we have to fear? A better way to put it, if God's on our side, there's nothing to be afraid of. He will fight the battle. He will make a way where there is no way. We have a God who still opens prison doors, literal or figurative. How many of you know that's true? We can expect God to come through in unexpected ways when we trust him. And you know what? Y'all already testified to this. God comes through in unexpected ways. How much more so when it's about the name of Jesus, when it's about the gospel of truth? Let's keep reading. Acts chapter 5. I'm promising myself that my part's short so uh, Kirby can do his part. But I want to read through this. So then what happens? Acts chapter 5, verse 27. We're skipping through some of this. Pick it up in verse 27. The apostles then were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin and to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. And Peter and the apostles replied, verse 29, we must obey God rather than human beings, period, exclamation point. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, who you killed by hanging him on a cross. Verse 31, God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. That is so good. A couple more verses. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men be put outside for a little while. Now pause. Pause the story again. So I want to talk about a couple things in here that I think are really awesome for us today. Again, this is our story, right? Verse 28. I love this. They're so mad. They're like, don't teach in the name of Jesus. And yet, you have filled Jerusalem with this teaching in the name of Jesus. Well, two things. Jesus said they would. <laughs> he said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Well, it's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. But here's the thing. I want us to do our part that our city would be filled with the name of Jesus. How many of you think that would be awesome? I would love the testimony of public and religious authorities to be, oh my gosh, everywhere you go, it's the name of Jesus. This teaching has permeated every part of our city. It's in our schools. It's in our factories. It's in our neighborhoods. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That would be a beautiful, glorious day. How many of you think we're there? Nope. we got work to do. I would love for it to be said that the name of Jesus has been, the campus has been filled with the name of Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? He said that we would do it. Let's do it. We want that because the name of Jesus brings what every person actually wants. It brings peace. It brings healing. It brings restoration. It breaks strongholds. It really does. When Jesus comes into your life, it change, changes everything. He really is the one who restores families, who gives purpose and meaning and destiny and lives. And we can bring him to our city and even to the nations. Then verse 31, their testimony. God exalted Jesus and made him prince and savior to bring Israel to his forgiveness 
or to repentance and forgive their sins, we are witnesses of this. Amen? That's you and me. We are witnesses. You have a testimony for a reason. You, you carry evidence of him for a reason. Because you're a witness. Okay, let me wrap it up. Keep reading. Acts chapter 5, verse 34. Okay, so the Pharisee named Gamaliel, teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up, verse 35, and he addressed the Sanhedrin. This part should really give us hope. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. What was it? They wanted to put them to death. Some time ago, verse 36, Theodos, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him... Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He, too, was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. If their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So good. His speech persuaded them. I mean, these are God-fearing men we're talking to. You say you're going to be fighting God, they're, they're listening. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, that sounds familiar, and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. That is so good. These threats of death did not deter these men at all. In fact, it seemed to have emboldened them. Like, we are... Jesus counted us worthy to be disgraced for his name because of his name. They, were, they leave rejoicing after being threatened, flogged, literally flogged. That happened and threatened with death. Because the truth is, no matter what someone does to us, they can't take Jesus away. And they can't stop his name and that's what I love about this part of the story, this part of the history, our history. Because this man who stood up and spoke to the religious leaders was prophesying. If this is from God, you won't be able to stop it. And it's true, because 2,000 some odd years later, here we are. You can't stop it. And that should give us hope. That should give us courage. We may face disgrace by some at some point, but let nothing deter us from proclaiming the name of Jesus. Even today, let nothing deter us when we take out free gifts if someone doesn't want it. I mean, this is the easiest thing that we're doing today, honestly, because we're not just using like some cheap, flimsy thing as an excuse. If someone rejects us and takes the gift, they're actually getting a blessing. What, we've, what we're giving them is quality stuff, but also the word of God's going to be in there. <laughs> we're putting Bibles in there. And so if they reject us and they receive our gift, they're still receiving the love of God. We can't be stopped. This is so, so good, so easy. 
Um, but even going on from today, if you don't go on this outreach, wherever you are living, where you're working, your family, in your workplace, know that the name of Jesus is worthy of proclaiming, but also worthy of suffering some sort of disgrace for if you must. Because the truth of the matter is, no one can stop him. We just get to be along for the ride. The gospel train is going forward. And there will be a great harvest of souls because Jesus will receive the reward for his suffering from every nation, tribe, and tongue. And we just get to be along for the ride. We get to put out a, a hook and gather the harvest for him. It's his. It's his harvest. We just get to go and gather it for him. Because the truth of the matter, Jesus already is exalted. He's already at the right hand of God. He's already ruling and reigning. The end of the story is set. It's set. We are just living it out. We're living out the pages. The truth is he's already on the throne. But the Bible also says of the increase of Jesus' government and his peace, there will be no end. It's just going to get bigger. It's just going to get greater. It's just going to get brighter. Kingdoms on this earth will come and go. People will rise and fall. Jesus will continue to increase forever and ever. Amen. So I'm going to turn off my part, and now I've invited Kirby, who, if you don't know, is a veteran missionary who is, like, the expert on how to talk to people about Jesus, because he's done it his whole life professionally. And so he's going to equip us how to have turn good conversations into God conversations, and how to simply share the gospel, whether you go out today or tomorrow or the rest of your life. So come on up, Kirby. Would you guys uh, welcome him as he comes? Sheila's going to hand you out. Everybody's going to get a copy of The Four Spiritual Laws. Tom knows that because Tom studied it um, through Campus Crusade. I took the same training, and we're going to be using this, or you might want to use it. It's very helpful because I'll bet you have friends, and I hope you have friends that aren't saved. I hope you have because they need to hear the gospel, and God wants to speak through you. You are perfectly placed to change someone's life, whether you go out today or not. And, you know, very often... You may think, well, I can't stand on a street corner and preach to people. But, you know, you can sit down with a cup of coffee with somebody that loves you and tell them things. And they're going to listen because they love you also. You've got a tremendous open door. God wants to use you. Um, so I'm going to make it very simple. You know, how do you share the gospel? Because, you know, people are gospel hostile at times. But with, when you love somebody... I see a smile over there. You know what I'm talking about. Some people just say, oh, don't give me that. Don't want that religion. But if you love someone, they're going to listen just because they know you love them. So first thing I want to say is in sharing the gospel, whether it's today or some other time, I, God knows you're not perfect. And so sometimes we tell ourselves, well, I'm, I'm the last person to share the gospel. Do you know what I did the other day? Do you know what I said the other day? I'm just so imperfect. Well, God knows that. Peter had just denied Jesus three times. He had quit the ministry and gone back to his old profession of fishing. God used him. Paul had had a good man put to death. He'd accused Stephen. He used to torture Christians and try to get them to blaspheme. The Bible says that. God could use those kind of people. I think he can use you. 
with your mistakes, your faults, my faults. Okay, very, very simple. All you have to remember is three and one. Sharing the gospel, because, you know, what do you do? You kind of get lost sometimes. One time we were interviewing guys who wanted to be pastors in Russia. They wanted to plant churches. And the Russian Assemblies of God sent all these applicants to us. They wanted us to give them lots of money and help them. But I thought, the Bible says don't lay hands quickly on any man. Don't send someone out quickly. You've got to know, know who you're working with. So I remember I interviewed these people and I asked them if they'd ever led anyone to Christ. Because what kind of pastor is it going to be if they've never led anyone to Christ? One guy said, yeah, yeah, I did. I said, well, that's wonderful. How did you do that? Well, uh, I invited them to church. Pastor gave the altar call. They got saved. <laughs> well, that's great for if you've got a pastor. But if you're the pastor, you need to know how to share your faith. So here's how to do it. Three and one. Turn to your neighbor and say three and one. Now you're all set. The three are three questions, and the one is one scripture. Three questions. Now, we're not preaching to people. How many know people don't like it preached at? You know, they didn't, you're walking with some you've never met, and you start preaching at them. They go, hey, hold on, buddy. I didn't give you a license to preach at me. I'm not interested. But if you're interested in them, and you ask them questions, now you have a conversation. Now you have a relationship. So important when you do this to learn their name. Oh, my goodness. If, you're, if you don't ever ask their name and you give them your name, then you're just on some type of a religious trip. There's not a relationship there. So first off, say, my name is Kirby. What's your name? So glad to meet you. What are you studying here at State? Whatever. So three in one, the three questions you want to ask them, because people are not offended by questions. That's not preaching. First question is, may I ask you a question? Is <laughs> that hard? <laughs> okay, you might want to write these down. First thing, may I ask you a question? That's just being polite. And the whole thing about sharing the gospel, you've got to be polite. Some people think that you, when you share the gospel, you're just going to be rude. No, that doesn't get anybody saved. Don't be rude. But some people are that way. They get this idea they've got to preach at someone, condemn them, make them feel bad. No. First question, may I ask you a question? Second question, I'm going too fast. <laughs> See, people still writing. Okay. Give you just a minute. Second question is, if you were to die today, are you sure you'd go to heaven? That's the best question in the world. You know, I find people that want to argue with you about things. Yeah, but what about all the people in India? What's going to happen to them? Or, or you know, well, yeah, you, you, you're one of those evangelicals. Well, I, I heard about this preacher the other day, and he did this and so, and you're one of those? Don't follow any of those rabbit trails. Because people are interested in themselves because we're naturally self-centered people. That's just reality. That's you know, all these arguments about other, okay, what about you? If you died today, are you sure you'd go to heaven? Suddenly the conversation shifts. It becomes serious. They're thinking about themselves. You know what? It's no longer a game. It's no longer, they're no longer trying to make points. Now they're thinking, yeah, what is going to happen to me? And I found most of the time people are going to go right with you towards the gospel. But let's say they take a left turn on you and say, well, I don't believe. Now, let me say, when they say they don't believe, don't you believe that? Because they do believe. There is no atheist in the earth. They all believe. When they get in trouble, they pray. There's no atheist in Foxville. So don't believe that lie. Because God says in Romans chapter 1 that God has put the knowledge of his existence in every person so that they are without excuse. Everybody knows. So they're just trying to, it's a red herring. They're trying to distract you with something. Don't follow that distraction. You know 
God knows, and they know they believe. They have prayed before. You might even want to ask them about that. So what do you do if they say, I don't believe? Well, there's two things you can say. Is One is you can say, that's great. I'd like to become an atheist. Could you prove to me that God doesn't exist? Of course, there's a few crickets will start to chirp about that time because they cannot prove it. And that's, okay, so you can't prove it. So then basically you're not an atheist, you're an agnostic. You don't know. So let me tell you what you don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> you, can, you can play some games with them, but they really, they really do believe. So at, you can follow that. Let me get back to my notes here. Okay. Um, it's very important as you're asking the question. The third, last question is, most of the time, I'd say 80%, 90% of the time, they'll say, no, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Then you can ask them the last question, which is, can I show you how to be sure? Okay, those three questions are, may I ask you a question? Are you sure you're going to heaven? Can I show you how to be sure? There you are. You just, they just said they want to hear the gospel and they want to hear it from you. And so that's when you can just share your one scripture. Your one, that's all you have to know. And I encourage you to memorize it. If not, get a small New Testament, stick it in your pocket, or write the scripture down. <clears throat> Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's your only scripture. Now, there's lots more you can share, and, and this, there's lots more here. But if you just know that one, you've done pretty doggone well. What do they need to do? They need to repent. They need to make a decision. That's what the word repent means, metanoia. Change your direction. Go after God's way, not your way. Turn from the things that are displeasing God and start trying to do things that honor God. So, very simple verse. Let's all repeat it together. One, two, three. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. What do they need to do? How do you, very simple. You need to repent. Make a decision. Are you going to follow Jesus? He's, he's knocking on the door. So there you are. So you, three in one. Three questions, one scripture. Now, if they say, yes, I would like to repent, then you can use this booklet. Now, if they say they don't want to share the gospel, use this one. If they're, if they're kind of distant, they're not interested, this tract is written, very compelling, true story. You can't not read this tract. You read the first sentence, I'll read a couple sentences here for you to show you how this is going to get them. It doesn't look religious, does it? My story, it's a first-person account. I was a normal 14-year-old girl, a straight-A student, active in sports and music. No one knew what trouble waited for me ahead. What's waiting for her ahead? They're going to read this. And there's a prayer of repentance in the back. It's designed to show someone what God wants to do in their lives. So this is for people that are casual. Like, no, I'm not real interested here. Well, here's a true story. But if they want to accept Christ, and that's up to you to determine, and you say, okay, then uh, you do want to be sure. I'm going to show you how you can be sure. So <clears throat> I'm very quickly drawing to an end here. I don't want to hold you too long. So you take the track. You do not give it to them. The four spirituals, don't give it to them. You will at the end. Because if, what will happen if you give it to them? They'll take it. Thank you. Okay. See you later. So they're not going to, they might read it, might not. But you want to you hold it in your hand. And if you've got a pen, that's excellent. A pen is really good because people, for some reason, wherever you point that pen, they, they tend to follow it. Because you're trying to help them. The devil is the author of confusion, it says in 1 Corinthians 14. And in science, as Jeff knows, the whole thing is to eliminate confusion. You're trying to find out what is certain. 
And so remember, the devil's going to send distractions. There'll be phone calls. You may not be feeling so great. All sorts of things might happen. People will walk up, talk to your, the person you're talking to. So you've got to be aware there will be distractions. It is a war for their soul. And you're in the fight. So that's why it's so important to be clear. Paul said in Colossians, pray for me that I might preach the gospel clearly. There's the fog of war they talk about. There's a fog when you're trying to show the gospel. So it's so important to have something absolutely clear. So the first thing you can share with them, and you don't really need this thing if you've got it memorized. It's really simple. But the first one is God loves you. Who's opposed to hearing that? He does. It says right there in John 3.16, let's all say it together. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves the world. If he loves the world, he loves them. So you can take your pen then where it says, um, for God so loved the world, you can cross out the word world and write in their name. That personalizes your sharing right there. God so loved Bob or Larry or Sally or Mary. So that helps you to remember their name too. So first law and if you want to be sure you're going to heaven, the first thing to remember is that God loves you. He is for you. He wants you in heaven. Second law is we are separated from God's love. Yes, he loves us, but there's a barrier. That's my sin, your sin, their sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is Romans what? 3.23. I knew you knew that. Romans 3.23. So you're just sharing scripture. You know, opinions, people don't care about opinions. There's all sorts of opinions. I hear crazy opinions every day. I hear people say, well, didn't you know that the, the moon, uh, we never landed on the moon? It was all fake. Filmed in Hollywood. Okay, yeah, that's your opinion. And the earth is flat. earth is flat. That's all crazy stuff. No, 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 it's not right. Crazy opinions. But you know, when you share the word of God, it's no longer an opinion. They may think you're nuts, but if you show them scripture, now suddenly there's a little more authority to what you're saying. So when you rely on Scripture, you're doing pretty good. For a second law, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are separated from God's love. There's a diagram here. I'm on page number five. You see the little diagram of people trying to reach God, and some are able to, and some get a little further. Some don't get very far. You say, you know, that's you and me. We're trying to live a good life because everybody thinks they're doing pretty well. The Bible says uh, every man's way is right in his own eyes. I think even Hitler thought he was a pretty good person. So remember that. And the Bible says we're all sinful people. So third thing, God has an answer to our sinful problem, our sin problem. That's Jesus. And this verse for that is what? John 14, 6. Who can say that? It's a great verse to memorize. John 14, 6. Tom, you cannot speak because you know these answers. Give these other people a chance. Who can quote John 14, 6 from memory? Besides Pastor Jesse and Tom. And Jim, you cannot say it either. So who can quote John 14, 6 from memory? Okay, who can read it in the booklet there? (laughs) Okay, Jeff, go ahead. He's the only answer. And you might point out he used the art. The, in English, we have a thing called the definite article that they don't have in other cultures. It's the as opposed to a. a. He is the way, the only, he's the unique way. 
God gave his only begotten son. So then you say, and this, this one, this is where you transition to the fourth law. Now, you can just read through the booklet, and I encourage you to point to the parts with your pen. Mark them in advance if you want to help them follow along so that the fog of war doesn't confuse them. Then you use your last transition. You say, you know, the first law, God loves us. The second law, we're all sinful people. Third law, Christ is the answer to our sin problem, to our separation from God. And the fourth law is the most important one. Everybody say, the most important one. And that is you have to make a decision. Now, a lot of times we do all sorts of different things. We believe in preachianity. We preach at someone. We think that does the trick. It doesn't work. Or we believe in churchianity. Why don't you come to my church? Pastor Jesse will preach and you'll get saved. Now, it doesn't always work. And, or we believe in feel-goodanity or feel-goodism. If I just tell them a nice story about what God, God, God did for me, then they'll feel good, and that's just as good as being saved. It isn't. People can feel good all the way to hell. The rich man in, in Luke 16, he felt great until the day he died and found himself in hell. Feel-goodism is not what we're after. Yes, you've got good stories. Yes, you can tell them about people who got healed and delivered. So, and they're going to say, that is wonderful. I'm so glad that you found something that works for you because you're clearly in need of great help. You need a crutch. But I'm a normal, healthy person. I don't need God for a crutch. Thank you for your uplifting story. Goodbye. Now, we want to make them understand they need to make a decision they're standing in front of, of Jesus, and they have to do something with him. Pontius Pilate couldn't get rid of Jesus. He sent him to Herod. He looked for a loophole. He tried to trade off Barabbas. In the end, he had to make a decision. Everybody has to do something with Jesus. And that's the fourth thing. You need to make a decision. Will you accept Christ as Lord of your life? When I was 15, a guy, our Sunday school teacher, I was giving him a lot of trouble in Sunday school class. I was mocking him, picking at him, and he believed in creationism. And I thought, what? Don't you know science? I think evolution is the right way. And I just thought he was such a dummy. And um, he invited me to, to go hear a Christian band in Lansing at the old catacombs, which is closed. And um, afterwards, he shared the four spiritual laws, the same booklet, that you just read with me. And he said, would you like to accept Christ? I agreed with every point he made. Yes, God loves me. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, Christ is the answer. And yes, I need to make a decision. He said, you want to accept Christ? I said, no. I couldn't imagine living a Christian life. Going to church, reading the Bible. You can't drink. You can't get high. You know, none of my friends were Christian. I thought, I won't have a friend in the world. I don't want to be a Christian. I said, no, I don't want to be a Christian. Thanks anyway. He said, okay, it's your decision. He didn't condemn me. He just let the Holy Spirit start his work. And a year later, the Holy Spirit had worked me over pretty good. <laughs> I realized, I guess I do want to become a Christian. Because it's the fact of making a decision clarifies things. Again, we're trying to bring clarity, and the devil's trying to bring confusion. And at that point, it was clear, clear to me, I had made a decision, and it was a bad decision. It started to scare me. Just begin, so ever so slightly, started to scare me. Bring your friend to a decision. Let them see where they are. Let them decide yes or no. Even if it's no, it's going to be good. What you don't want is the vague place. Well, maybe I'd go to heaven. The gray. We're not out for gray. We're here for clarity. Heaven and hell. <clears throat> so there's a prayer to pray here. If they say, 
Well, let me turn to, if you were, to page 9. And I'm almost done. <clears throat> page 9. There are two circles there. Tom has, knows these really well from Campus Crusade, or crew as it's called now. There's a circle on the left, and there's self seated on the throne. And the cross is outside the circle. Do you see that diagram? Now, it's great to memorize these diagrams, because if you don't have one of these tracks, you can write this all out on a napkin at Starbucks or a piece of paper. You can draw it in the sand. You can write it in the frost on a window. To know these diagrams, it's really helpful. And then on the right, you see another circle. It's got Christ, or the cross, is sitting on the throne. And self has been dethroned. I'm no longer my own God. But God is God in my life. So you say, here's two circles. You say, you know, this is what I was on the left before I became a Christian. And at the right, Christ came to my life. Then you ask them the questions right there at the bottom. Which circle best describes your life? If they say the one on the left, then you say, which one would you like to be? And if they say the one on the right, they basically just told you, I know I'm not a Christian, and I want to be. And you can't ask for anything more simple than that. So you say, well, then you can repeat this prayer afterwards with me. Turn to the next page. There's a prayer to pray. You can pray with them. You say, repeat after me. But if they're really shy, if you're out on the street and you feel uncomfortable about it, you say, look, I encourage you, take this home and read it and pray it on your own because God will listen to you there just as well as he will here. So there you are. And I encourage you to, to, if you can, get their phone number or give them your phone number. Say you're ready to help them. And um, um, pray with them if you can, especially if they're an atheist. I, it's surprising how often I've had atheists let me pray for them. And they bow their heads. They're serious about it. Anyway, that's all I was going to share. Thanks, Kirby. Yeah. All right. Well, let's stand. Um, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray over this, um, and then uh, we're officially closed service. But, again, we've got a light lunch for anyone that wants to hang out. We've got 300 uh, kits we're going to assemble. Many hands make light work. It's a lot of fun. Um, so I hope m many of you can at least stay for that. Even more hope you'll come out. It's going to be a blast. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus and eternal life, that you have saved our souls. Lord, if there's anyone in the room today that doesn't know you, God, I pray that they would make a decision to follow you today, God, that you'd reap the harvest of all of our hearts. And Lord, I pray, um, as you taught us for the harvest, um, that you are the Lord of the harvest. I pray today you'd send us, uh, your people, uh, out into the harvest and every day of our lives into your harvest, um, that we would be anointed laborers, who are witnesses of your kingdom, and that you would receive your reward through us. God, embolden us, empower us. Thank you for this practical equipping today. Remind us, God, uh, highlight to us those who you have put around us to share with, um, and let the name of Jesus fill our city. <laughs> yeah, let the name of Jesus fill the city. Let that be the testimony and the reality here. Lord, we thank you that you have touched us. And we just long for so many to know your goodness. If you agree, you could say amen. Amen. Well, if you are.